Hey guys, and welcome back to the Smarter Business Finance Podcast. My name is Jennifer Casey. My name is Robert Jackson. And this is episode three on the cost of actually financing equipment. What does that look like? So let's kick it off with a easy conversation that we all <laughs> have had a little bit of experience with during COVID-19 shutdowns is food delivery service. Have you ever ordered from DoorDash? Me? Yeah. No. Have you ever ordered from Grubhub? <laughs> no. Nothing. You've never had a delivery service? No. Perfect. Let's end the podcast here. Thank you so much for that Maybe we'll get some audience help for this. Okay. Well, let me tell you. Okay. Because I have ordered from DoorDash and it is out of control expensive, but it's the service that comes into it, right? If you're going to go pick up a pizza, you know, you can go pick up a pizza, but if you get a delivery service of that, there's a service fee, there's taxes, there's the driver fee, there's all sorts of different things. So a $20 pizza ends up being a $40 pizza, or even actually, Rob and I were talking about this the other day. He was saying how he ordered Chinese food for delivery and it was like 30 or 40 bucks and ended up being an $80 meal for the three of them to have Chinese food because there's all these other fees that are in it. Mm -hmm. Are you gonna say no? Do I not want a delivery service to come and bring it? I don't know. You might need, you might have no time to be able to get that food, right? You need the results, right. which is the food. You need the food. Do you have time to make it for yourself? Maybe not, mm -hmm. but it's the cost of doing business, right? Mm -hmm. So if you've ever actually ordered from DoorDash, I'd like to know the craziest fees that anyone has actually paid for from Grubhub or any of these delivery services. Um, what you actually got and what you paid for. If you want to comment below um, during COVID or really any time for that matter for what delivery charges you have paid, would love to hear that. Someone told me the other day that they actually paid a delivery fee of $150 for alcohol to be delivered to them because they wanted it that bad. So would love to hear about that. So comment below. But another thing that we can talk about for um, maybe you have a little bit more experience with this since we're in Las Vegas is going out to a nice restaurant, going out and having bottle service. When you know that that bottle of champagne is only $50, but that tab is what? Well, 1500? Maybe more. I mean, it, with the nightclubs in particular in Las Vegas, they have um, what's known as an LET tax, which is a live entertainment tax. So on top of the sales tax, you're paying an additional 10% tax. So a bottle of Grey Goose at a club in Las Vegas is gonna cost you anywhere from $750 to $850. Right. You can go to Albertsons and purchase the exact same bottle for 60 to 80. Right. So people, but these clubs and these tables are constantly sold out. There's never a table that isn't sold out. Right. Why is that? Right. And the reason is, is people wanna have a good time. They pay for experience, they pay for the results, they pay for the time, they pay for what they're getting. So they feel like they're getting value for the money that they're spending. Right. So for them, they don't feel it's, I mean, that. yeah, it's, it's a little absurd, let's be honest, it really is, but people still pay. Because Absolutely. that's the price you pay for right. what you get. And you'll pay a price for everything you do and everything you don't do. Right. So. I know it's d definitely an extreme example, but I think about, okay, let's say you're going to go to the supermarket and buy a bottle of Grey Goose. Does the supermarket have the, st the same overhead than that nightclub has in order to make a drink. Well, first of all, they're not even making you a drink, but what goes into that? It's the, they both have a location, right? They both have employees, right? But does Albertsons have a full lighting system, a DJ booth? 
cocktail waitresses? Do they have all of these other experiences that come into play when you're going to that nightclub? It's an experience. Maybe for you, you're celebrating something or 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 an anniversary or a birthday party, right? Mm-hmm. So you have all these other things that come into play, but you go in to feel that feeling of importance and to have an experience with something. It's a lot different of an experience of buying a bottle and taking it home and maybe making yourself a cocktail at your house. Cost of doing business, cost right. of an experience. Let's talk about perception versus reality. So when a client calls in and they say that they are expecting to pay 3%, mm-hmm. 6%, mm-hmm. and they believe that they should qualify for that, um, mm-hmm. and they have whatever business scenario that they have, maybe they're only been in business for two years, mm-hmm. 600 plus FICO, no comps, whatever it is. How? Why is that that they believe that they're getting a 6% rate or a 3% rate? Generally, people are accustomed to consumer financing mm-hmm. and not business or commercial financing or commercial leasing. So you can go on bankrate.com, you can go on any dozen website, go on Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and you'll see rates posted all over the place. It doesn't necessarily mean that you'll qualify because you have to read the fine print. Now, the difference between what you pay and what you get is what matters. That's what really matters. Because the value for what your dollar that you're spending is going to take you further than what the rate or the payment is. So when you're expecting a 6% rate and you don't get a 6% rate, you have to explain why that is. And the reason that it's that way is because commercial financing and leasing is just a different, it's just structured differently. There's different values. Uh, there's there's risk assessment. There's risk tolerances that are, that are factored in that just aren't there with consumer financing. So most people are accustomed to loans where they have an APR, which is amortized on a daily rate where you have your principal and your interest. Well, with APR type of loans, if you're not familiar with this, most of the interest is front loaded. So you're going to be paying up to 88% of your payment from the first payment is going towards interest. Now, if you pay on extra, it will go towards the principal. But I'll use buying a home, for example. I purchased a home in August. Um, And on the contract, I got a 5.256 APR. But it has TIP, total interest paid, which was 107 if I didn't pay anything extra, if I just took it the whole 30 years at just the minimum, I'd paying 107% in interest on a $250,000 loan. Mm-hmm. So that 5.25% six rate is not really, I mean, it is, but it isn't. Right. And you'll notice that the principal balance doesn't really go down. So with the type of agreements that we have, um, they're not structured as an APR. Uh, they have something called a finance cost, which is similar, but it's a little different. So you need to ha- talk to someone who's smart, someone who's got experience, someone who's deft enough to understand it and convey that. To a new business owner, they're gonna be a little unfamiliar with it, so it's important that you kind of nurture them and guide them along the way and, and, and don't, don't force them into something that they're not comfortable with. Um, but this type of product is used by pretty much everybody. Uh, Wells Fargo, CIT, they all use this product. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not its not something that's new. It's been around for years and years and years. It's not going anywhere. Let's talk, let's talk about the payment versus the rate because many times people do call in and I think that the level set that we have to do is explain to them that rate aside, it's the payment that they're qualifying for, right? So... There's also hundreds of ways to calculate rate. We could 
calculate it so it's like you're saying on a monthly basis, on a bi-monthly basis, on an annual basis, on the full length of the term. I know myself, if I was to take my monthly mortgage and multiply that out amongst the years that I'm paying on it, to me, I don't even know if that's 107%. It's probably in my brain several hundreds of percentages that I'm paying on top of that. I remember it vividly. Yeah, but I at the end of the day, does it make sense for that payment mm-hmm. for the scenario? Because right? I could, the payment was affordable. Right. I didn't care that I was paying 107% total interest paid because it was a home right. and the payment was affordable. Right, right. And I get use out of it. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting, I often tell, tell people this, I say money comes and goes, but mostly just goes. But your time doesn't. Everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. So you decide how you're going to use it and what you're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. I find it really interesting. One of the points that you always bring up is not only necessarily the cost of of moving forward, but the cost of not moving forward. Mm -hmm. If someone is so hell-bent on the payment itself or the rate or the cost of funds and they are they're at the point where they're frustrated because they thought they were going to qualify for mm-hmm. something different when in reality if they don't make this purchase they're losing money mm-hmm. that's a great opportunity i just would like for you to elaborate i know that you get into that a little bit more i use it i use it quite a bit i use um consequence uh what are the ramifications to your business if you elect not to do this what is it going to cost you to do nothing right if you say no to this proposal, what's your next step? What's a good next step then? Right. And just ask and leave it up to them. Right. I find it interesting. I was going to say the other day you had given me a scenario about a client who was talking about what their payment was. And you had said, okay, let's talk about how much money you're going to make. So you had said you're going to you know, generate $10,000 for an easy number on a monthly basis. 120000 obviously, on an annual basis and we're gonna give you a 60 month term. So let's look at how much you're making over those five years. And you're asking the lender to give you a, what, a 6% rate when you're coming in and they're taking a risk, you're taking a risk as well, but they're taking a risk on you. When they know that your profit is that, again, it's it's different than a consumer loan where it's a vehicle that they're gonna drive to and from work, they're gonna do things personally, but. It's not an investment. It's, there's less of a turnover with consumer vehicles versus commercial lending, right? Mm-hmm. There's more repossessions in lending. There's a higher risk in lending when it comes to consumer versus commercial. So at the end of the day, there's a cost of doing business. It costs more to actually finance something commercially than it does consumer, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When, when a customer calls in and they tell me that they would like to buy a particular piece of equipment and it's going to generate... Ten to fifteen thousand dollars a month in top line revenue. Well, if you take that term and you take it out for four or five years, if you did ten thousand dollars for twelve months, it's one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year times five is going to be over a half a million dollars, probably six hundred fifty thousand dollars. So you're going to make six hundred fifty thousand dollars over five years, and the bank wants to make seventeen. Seems like a fair trade-off to me, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But it's interesting because there are people that still can't wrap their head around it. Mm-hmm. I always think, too, you know, it's so easy to pick apart the cost of something when all that you have is numbers. But you don't know the cost of making that shirt. Mm-mm. Right? Mm-mm. That shirt was, you know, their first they have to source the 
the actual material that goes in the shirt and then the thread that goes into it. And then there's actually a person that sits there and then embroiders the machine. That machine itself costs something. The lights that light up the room that the embroidery machine is, it all, there's a cost of doing business. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to say, oh, well, you know, the cost of, of that shirt is $65. I'm gonna be purchasing, purchasing that for $65. But is it worth that? When you're looking at numbers, yeah, there's a cost of doing business in that bank or in that private lending facility there are lights to be put on. There's computers. There's an accounting department. There's a customer service department. There's a repo department. There's people that come and clean the bathrooms. There is so much that goes into that business just as any business is. So there's a cost of doing business. So sometimes people take offense to the fact that what they qualify for, but th there's a, that qualification comes with a lot more cost of actually doing business. Another thing I find really interesting, and I won't call out any specific vendors, but I do know industry-wise, if you're negotiating with some of these vendors to buy equipment, if you say you're paying cash, you actually get a cheaper price versus you saying that you're going to finance. And I don't mean their internal financing. I mean any financing. We just had a scenario the other day where one of our reps had gotten an invoice. Um, the client had actually called and said, hey, I don't know what this financing is that you put on here. I don't want any of this financing. I just want to pay cash. And it was a $200,000 invoice that all of a sudden got a 30% discount. A 30% discount. So I find it interesting that sometimes people think that they're getting a 0% with some of these vendors or a 2% or a 6%, but there is a cost of doing business. They're building it another way. And it's not that they're being shady about it. They're just building it another way in order to make their overhead, in order to pay their bills, right? So just another scenario about that. If you're a business owner, cash is king. You want to retain as much cash as you can. I mean, Apple's got $90 billion in cash and Facebook probably has similar amounts, but they don't purchase any of their assets with their cash. They borrow money mm -hmm. for it. And why is that? Because they can get tax deductions. They're using other people's money and they can keep their cash. So for me, when I encounter someone that's gonna pay cash, for equipment, they're probably just doing it for the speed of the transaction, just to get it done right away, because it could be done same day, or they don't qualify mm -hmm. for it. Those are the two scenarios I typically encounter when somebody wants to pay cash. Right. Um, because I find it foolish, quite frankly, to, uh, I, I recently bought a car a couple months ago. I could have paid cash for it, I could have wrote a check for it, but I didn't. I went to my bank, my credit union got me approved, and there we go, I still have all my money. Mm -hmm. it's, the same, it's the same situation because for a business owner, having cash and, and cash flow is the lifeblood of sustaining and keeping you in business. If you run out of money, you're not in business anymore. It doesn't matter. Right. So I often tell people this, when you, when you purchase equipment and it's affordable and it's something you can do, treat the equipment like you would treat an employee or a mm. new employee. I love this scenario. So, you pay for it as it pays you. You know, the equipment isn't a new employee, so you just got this new employee that's gonna be profitable and valuable, it's gonna give you years of service, but you don't pay your employee two or three years salary in advance, do you? Would you pay my salary four or five years in advance? I think Robin Chet would no, be mad at me. No, I think they would be very, very <laughs> mad at you. Um, but they pay me as I earn. So the equipment should be no different. Um, there's a lot of benefits to equipment financing that that people don't really see, I guess, because they don't fully understand it. So from the position that we're in, we're more or less advisors and advocates. We work for them. We don't work for 
well, technically we work for smarter equipment finance. But we don't work but for in the essence, lenders and the banks. Right, right, right. But in essence, I only get paid if the customer has a smile. Mm -hmm. So if I make him happy and he understands the product and he understands the process and he understands this because he, he's going to go with us. Right. Um, our company's got a great reputation and the reputation is because we have two uh, mantras, I guess. First one is don't lie ever. If you're caught lying, you're fired. So we won't lie. We just won't. We'll tell you exactly what it is mm -hmm. because there's no reason to hide it. Right. And number two is just be on time and do your job. Have a good attitude. Don't put people down. Don't, uh, don't denigrate others. Don't uh, belittle others. Don't, don't besmirch. Don't do anything like that. Just hold yourself with a certain degree of integrity. And when I was hired, that was what was told to me. So I've lived by those tenants and here I am almost five years later and, and I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, let's get back to a little bit of in regards to the cost of doing business. And one of the things that I know that we get asked on a regular basis and sometimes people cringe when it gets asked to them is four letter word that starts with R. What's rate. my rate? What is my rate? Everyone wants to know what their rate is. Yeah. They're not really interested in the rates so much interested in the payment mm -hmm. because my rate on the home that I bought, if the total interest paid is 107%, if they had told me that, I would have said, no, no, I'm not going to do this. That's outrageous. Mm -hmm. But they said, no, your payment's $2,400 a month. Oh, okay. That I can do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So it's, it's the way that these agreements are structured. Um, we can format it any way you want. We can, do a, we can do a lease and we can do something called an EFA, an equipment finance agreement, which I often tell people is, is, is an agreement that's kind of a bridge between a lease and a loan. It provides um, certain tax savings that you can get with a lease, but it provides you the option to pay it off early. You own it from day one, so you don't have to worry about anybody taking, taking it from you. You have 60 payments, you make those 60 payments. You have 48 payments, you make those 48 payments. It's right. yours, you can pay it off early. I tell people you wanna pay it off early, double up your payments. Um, but just as the, the business owner is purchasing the equipment to make money, the institution that's loaning the money needs to make money as well so it can supply future funds to other business owners just like that. So they have to secure their cash flow in order to be able to lend money to others that are doing the same thing that he is. Mm -hmm. We're not UNICEF. We don't work for free. They're not UNICEF. They don't work for free. Right. Nobody works for free. Nobody get up, gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to go do charity work, maybe around Christmas time or, or someone's birthday. I don't know. Right. But on a day-to-day -day basis, everybody has a goal to make money. What do you do with those clients that are so hung up on the rate? Like they're, they're the person that they thought they were going to get a 6%. And I, and I mean, let's even just put it out there. What is even, what does the rate start at? I mean, for our type of lending, I would even say, depending upon what the client qualifies for, 6% and it can go up from there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen double digits sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think of even startups where it's even on top of that. And then mm -hmm. we dance around the idea of like, you know, are we even allowed to talk about the different types of rates that there are? One of the things that you had said before is the different rate that you had on there. You know, there's a reason why we don't necessarily call our program an equipment finance agreement um, having a rate to it because there's a lot of different rates that could be connected to it. 
So in all reality, it's an equipment finance agreement what actually was merged from equipment leasing, which used to have some sort of balloon payment or buyout in the end. Um, and again, you're talking about the liability of it. The liability switched from the lender now to the client, right? Mm -hmm. And then the, also now the lender doesn't have the liability, but they also don't have that balloon payment in the end. So with that being said, what, what would you say to that client who is so hung up on the rate, the rate, the rate, the rate, and they can't get over it? Have you had instances of that? Um, not necessarily. I mean, it, it comes up more or less with people who already have an approval and they're just shopping to compare it. So recently, um, I had a, a, a doctor call me that I, I do some financing for medical equipment. I have some medical vendors that send me deals. And he was already approved at his local credit union. He had a 6.5% rate. It was an amortized uh, credit line. It was just, you know, a traditional loan. And I told him to take it. And he was a bit taken back by that. And he said, why? And I explained to him that I'm not in the business of, of you know, they don't pay me well enough to talk badly about my competition. They just don't. So if you've got an offer that's legitimate and it's something that's 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 going to work for you and I'm not able to beat it because I don't think that I could, then I'm not going, then I'm going to tell them to take it because that's honesty always prevails. I've had dozens of times where I've been honest with business owners about transactions and months later, they'll call me back because of that mm -hmm. and do a deal with me. Right. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm actually doing a a deal right now for a customer. Uh, it's our fourth transaction, believe it or not. And it all started two and a half years ago with a conversation similar to what we're having now. Very well qualified, uh, been in business for a very long time. He was unfamiliar with equipment financing. He had traditionally just, uh, you know, used whatever financing offer the vendor had or just paid cash when he needed it. Um, but because of my honesty and my candor and explaining it to him in detail, he was so impressed with it that he called me back and we were able to get him a, uh, a street sweeper and a snowplow. The biggest success that we have is when people call back and, you know, or they send us a picture of their logo on their equipment or a picture of them in front of their equipment or jobs that they've completed. Um, you know, small business owners are the backbone of our country. Indeed. Um, and you almost feel like, at least for me, I've run my business just in this industry as Jennifer Inc. So to have success for myself is I know and when they have success um, in their business and I get excited for that. So I absolutely love that. There's a lot of lies out there um, and advertisements. Um, I'm sure that you've heard of them or mm -hmm. some of our, our clients have heard them. Um, if you even Google just financing in general, I, I believe someone had called in the other day and they said, oh, well, I, I can just get truck financing. It's $99 a month. I'm like, and how much is that truck? <laughs> Are you financing it for the time that you would finance a home? Right. Right. Is it a 30 year loan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that truck even going to be around in 30 years? Right. Probably not. Right. Um, but yeah, what are some of the things that you're hearing that lies in our industries um, that are being advertised? Well, I often tell people that rates are marketing. That's what it is. It's, 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 it's to get you to call. It's to get you to come in. It's to get you to be engaged because every individual is going to be different. Because somebody who has an established business for 15 years, has a 730 credit score, and is buying a collateral that's, that retains its value is often going to get a better rate than somebody who's got two years, 630 credit score, and he's trying to buy a 15-year-old dump truck. Mm -hmm. um, because the, the type of agreements that we offer is self-collateralizing, generally when you do credit-based options. So it's similar to buying a car, so you don't have to pledge collateral. 
Um, there's no blanket liens that are put on your business. Um, so the kind of lies that are out there is it's a case-by-case -case basis. Everybody is different. Just like if you were to walk into a crowded theater and look around, you're not going to find one individual that looks exactly like everybody else. So it's impossible to say that everyone's going to get a 3.99% right. rate. It's just impossible. It doesn't exist. Right. Some people might, but it's a very, very, very small margin. Yeah, I find it interesting too where I'll, we'll talk to different vendors and dealers and they'll say, can you send me your rates? Mm -hmm. Or even with clients, like what are your rates? And it's not necessarily what our rates are. We have access to all sorts of different rates. It's mm -hmm. really what they qualify for. Correct. So let's talk about maybe a few different things that come into a play when a client is getting an approval. Because if someone's trying to get a 2022 pickup truck or a dump truck, is it different than a 1987 excavator? Probably. Mm -hmm. If someone has a 600 FICO versus a 750 FICO, is there a difference in that? Mm -hmm. There's also a difference in if someone's a homeowner, mm -hmm. if they've financed similar equipment in the past, mm -hmm. how long they've been in business for, if they were a sole proprietor versus if they were a corporation. Why? Because they actually have commercial credit that has been set up. So there's probably, I would say, 20 to 25 different factors that come into play mm -hmm. when someone's actually getting approved for equipment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just on them, their personal credit, sometimes it's on the business, sometimes it's on them and the business, sometimes it's on their bank statements, as well as the equipment itself. Is it software? Is it hardware? Is it something that's tangible? Is it something that's not going to be worth anything in three years? Or is it something that's going to hold its value five, six, seven years down the line, right? Mm -hmm. Those are all different factors that come into play. So mm -hmm. one of the things that I know that we do as a company is we try and educate people and let them know, hey, this is the scenario why you're getting approved for this. We want you to know. And this isn't something to beat someone up about. Hey, you have a 620 FICO and you're buying old equipment. We're saying, hey, that's what the scenario is. Mm -hmm. It would be different if you had 150 more points on your credit score or if you your history was longer or this and that. And I know that we really try and empower our reps to, or I should say empower our account managers to educate our clients on why they're getting that, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of them feeling like, you know, they have no place to turn. This is why you got this, but here's how you can grow from here, right? If you're looking at your next piece of equipment, now you've had the first one for 12 months, you and I talk about this on a regular basis, building business credit. Mm -hmm. It's a lot different when someone comes back the second time around. They qualify for, because we, we can service any type of credit. We can go from A to D and anywhere in between. So there's really no scenario we cannot service. It's just a matter of conveying our message enough to where the customer can understand it. Mm -hmm. and, and it's kind of lift where you stand. You know, there's no reason to tear anybody down or, or anything like that, but if we can educate and kind of uplift. right the customers and help them understand what it is and why it is, they're more likely to do business with you. Right. Um, people like us, they say nice things about us and there's a reason for it. And the reason is, is because we try, we try really hard to earn your business, but we're not gonna beg you for it. Right. We're right. just not, we're not, that's, just, that's, we're not in a position that we're not that way. It's, it's, you know, if you want our help, we're willing to help. But if you don't want our help, I'll pin a $20 bill on your collar and pat you on the back and wish you good luck. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know what to say. Right. I find it interesting, too. One of the first things that we teach our account managers to say is, have you gone to your local bank? Correct. Clients are completely shocked. They're like, are you seriously telling me to go to my bank? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. See if you can get approved there. Yeah. 
Because versus you coming back and saying, hey, I was actually expecting this. I'm going to go to my bank. You know what? Let's just, before you start the process of this, maybe you should see if you can get some financing. Because at the end of the day, if you can go direct to the bank that you have your mortgage with or you have your business checking account with, they already have interest in you. Maybe they would want that type of funding. And there's also clients that say, yes, I already went to my local bank. I'm at max exposure. I can't get any additional funding from them or I've already paid things off with them, but they just don't want to give me any other funding for this job or this or this or what have you. So, you know, they want to put, they don't want to put all their eggs in one basket. And that's something that we have on a regular basis. Does that mean that the next bank that approves them is secondary or subprime? No, it's just less of a risk for the first bank to actually give them funding when the second bank comes back. So I always find that pretty interesting. They're a little shocked. Mm -hmm. They sure are. They are indeed, but yeah. Okay, so let's talk about why APRs are not used in our industry. Why? Why have has it gravitated to us using a simple interest? All of our competitors use it. Um, it's kind of the norm in the industry to use simple interest, not to use APR. APR is not quoted on any of our loan documents. They haven't before when the industry used to be really leaning towards leasing. Now that it is leaning towards more of an EFA, an equipment finance agreement, or a loan, or a hybrid of a loan, whatever you want to call it, there's still, there's really not rates that are put on our paperwork. So if you were to actually pop in your numbers that you're approved for into an APR calculator, what does that rate look like? Because people do, they want to know. For some weird reason, they want to know why is that, It's how is it similar to their home loan or even their, their vehicle loan. I mean, if they were to compare it to their credit card, it would definitely be lower than that, or at least I would think it would. But typically it ranges from what? Anywhere from seven to, to 20%. 20%. Right. Um, so it, it's, there's a, there's a cost, it's a finance costs. And that finance cost is gonna be X amount of dollars, depending on what you're borrowing. Uh, it depends on what your, 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 your rate is, what your, um, how, long you're fine, how long you're buying. All those things are gonna come into consideration. So if you're interested in saving money on the financing cost, I would highly recommend going the shortest term possible mm -hmm. because you'll pay off the equipment sooner and you'll have less in total finance cost paid. Absolutely. It's something that I always advise my clients to. If I see that they're, they're someone that they don't carry a lot of debt, they don't like to have a lot of debt, they don't have revolving credit cards that they like that people rack up from time to time, because that seems to be the norm in America. A lot of people have credit card debt and a lot of people have credit card debt with these crazy rates of 25 to 29%, but then they're coming in and they're asking why they're all, you know, you're, why am I getting this rate on this? Well, unfortunately, Mr. Customer, you're, you have $40,000 in credit card debt. But if it is someone who doesn't have that and they like to live very- Live below cash, their means. Right, they live very conservative in regards to their finances, I completely agree. Do a 24 month, do a 36 month. Does it make sense for you to have a higher payment and pay that off quicker? Do you, are you gonna ge generate enough revenue on this piece of equipment in order for you to make the funds for that? And I think our clients respect that conversation more than anything. They do, and another thing I can also point out is that they're buying equipment to make money. That's the purpose of it. So why wouldn't you take the profits of the revenue from the money that's being made to the equipment and apply it towards other factors in your life like your home, your personal vehicles, your credit cards that you can actually pay off and, and save on financing costs because those are APRs. They are. And that does allow you to do it because it's an annual percentage rate where you have different breakdown of principal and interest. 
and people understand that. They like that. They respect it. They, they, they understand it because you have to shift their thinking. You have to get them thinking off the rate and, 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 and payment and what the value of the equipment is going to bring. Because if someone's buying an excavator for their construction business, there's a reason for it because they're going to build homes. Um, I was doing a deal for a guy out in Missouri that was buying two pieces of equipment. Uh, over the next 10 months, he was going to make $1.2 million. He did not care what his payment was yeah. because he's going to make $1.2 million building 30 homes in Missouri. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the value of the equipment exceeded whatever the cost was. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're coaching that client again if they're so hung up on the cost of funds that they're paying. Okay, well, this is what it is for now. But if you can pay down a credit card, if you have additional cash flow, whatever it is, here's how to make the scenario better for you so that the cost of funds will be less. Mm -hmm. Plus, in conjunction with that, take a 24-month term. And then on the next transaction, let this transaction be the deal that builds that business credit for you. So that way you can have you know 12 months of a comparable credit for your next deal. So... We want you guys to comment below. Let us know your thoughts. Have you financed equipment before? Have you worked with Smarter Business Finance? Um, do you have any questions? Have we covered all the things that you want to know about doing business commercially um, and in regards to building business credit? Whatever it is that's on your mind, go ahead and comment below. Throw us a like and let us know um, the next topic for, uh, for possibly next season. Thank you so much again. My name's Jennifer Casey. I'm Robert Jackson. And this is Smarter Business Finance Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3. Bye. Thanks for watching or listening. If you're listening through a podcast app, we would love it if you would be so kind as to leave a review. If you are watching this on YouTube, it would mean the world to us if you left a comment or gave us a big thumbs up. And lastly, if you're looking at us on the website, if you would let us know an episode that's of interest to you, that would be fantastic.